And we went into the coat closet of this party where people were in the party hanging out and we just like fucked in that coat closet and like that was the first time anyone had put their hand on my neck and it was just like it felt better than booze better than it better than anything i empathize so much with people who deal with sex addiction because the high from it is fucking amazing i want to slither Hello and welcome to Dog Pig. What's up, my nasty hoes? I am your host, Andrea Allen, the sexiest, freakiest, kinkiest bitch in New York City. Before we get to the show, please do me a solid rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. I need people to know that I'm fucking legit. Also, follow me on Instagram at andreacomedy69. Also, I've got a Patreon. Duh. Of course I got a Patreon. Follow me on Patreon. I've got so much cool shit in there. I've got the full videos of the episodes, bonus content, and many other things. Wink. That is at patreon.com slash dog pig. Also, if you want to give me even more money and get even more supplies for your spank bank, please go to fansly.com slash dog pig 69. That's fansly, F-A-N-S-L-Y.com slash dog pig 69. That's where you can get some Andrea Allen private content. It's like OnlyFans, but not for fucking dorks. Dog pigs, it's just me, Andrea Allen, solo, talking about sex and love addiction. Um, I feel like I've talked about this topic on other sex podcasts and on my other podcast, The Hot Mess Comedy Hour. Please go check that show out if you haven't already. Um, but I've never really talked about it in its entirety because it's a complicated one. I feel like sex and love addiction kind of is like uh, disordered eating in that sex and love is one of the most nourishing, wonderful, beautiful things about life. It's one of the things that colors our life and honestly makes it worth living. Um, But then if you have addictive tendencies towards it, it can be something that actively harms you. So Sex and love is something that we all should and hopefully do participate in. Um, But then what do you do when you realize that the way that you participate with it is broken? Fuck, scary day. I remember when I started to sort of think about my sex and love addiction and my behaviors towards sex. Sex is the first one that's easy to kind of like spot. Love is a harder one and a more complicated one. And they go hand in hand, I feel. But I remember I was talking to my therapist about, you know, getting sober and stuff and, and how I felt 
some sort of way about the way I used sex to feel good and, you know, how my relationships were always just a fucking train wreck and how I was getting involved in all these toxic things and, and didn't really like I knew I was, but I just couldn't get out. Um, and she said something to me that has always stuck with me. And she goes, your addictive behaviors are like a game of whack-a-mole. So, you know, you're whacking one of them. The other one comes up from a different hole. You whack that one. The other one comes up from a different hole. So I oscillate between, you know, workaholism, sex and love addiction, uh, alcoholism. I'm just a big bag of fun tricks. I'm just a lady trying to feel good. More like I'm a lady who's trying to avoid feeling bad. Um, And I've worked a good amount on this stuff. I've talked about ACOA on my other podcasts um, and how working through my family dysfunction has helped me sort of relate in a healthier way to other people. It's an ongoing journey, honestly. It's It can be really difficult for me. But I want to talk a little bit about SLAA because I found myself in that room. Um, and I'm trying to think when that started happening. Um, I can't remember exactly. I think it was probably after another horrible breakup. Um, there was a guy who I was infatuated with, in love with, and we kept our relationship open and he had just gotten out of a really messy relationship. And I was just enamored with this dude and in love with him pretty quickly, but I would never admit it because he didn't want to be in a serious relationship. And I knew that. And so I just focused on our sex life. He was a, he had an animal transformation fetish, which is one of the cooler and more fringe fetishes that I've participated in. Basically, he was turned on by the idea of a human transforming into an animal. So like, it's not furries. It seems like it's furries, but it's not. I'm going to look it up. But he loved fur. He loved like the texture of fur. I remember I went to our first date and I was wearing a fur jacket and he asked if he could touch it. And I just remember him like really getting turned on by that. And, you know, it kind of escalated from there. I was the first person that he told about this fetish. And so I felt this like real sort of like, oh, I'm special to you because I help you realize this thing. And and we have this magical relationship and we are having this crazy sex that's so different and interesting and, you know, that's going to make you love me. So basically, this guy's like into like anamorph shit. Um, so the way we would play that out is I would like wear a butt plug with a fur tail and I would wear fur jackets and, you know, collars and kind of like be a very sexy little animal. It was like this rush for me to like do this thing for him. And it was fun. Um, we we used to like go to hotels and fuck in fur coats. And, you know, it was great sex. I will be honest. This sex was fucking amazing. But inevitably, we were not 
intimate and he did not feel the same way about me, I don't think as I did about him. And I just never told him how I felt because I knew that he didn't feel the same way. So I was kind of like cutting myself by staying in this relationship. And then eventually he got into another relationship while we were together and he never told me. It had never been discussed in terms of the terms of openness because again, I didn't want him to leave. So I'm like, you can have whatever you want. Um, And he had started having a full-blown relationship with another woman. And I was like, hey, I heard you say something about Tinder. You know, what's going on? And he said, you know, I started a relationship with another woman and I want to date her and also date you. And this broke my fucking heart. I got this feeling... I, it's like panic. It's a panic feeling. It's an adrenaline feeling. My thoughts were racing. I felt so crazy and so sad and so just like, here I am again in this fucking place where I'm this girl who does everything for this person and we have these crazy adventures together and then they fucking don't care and they don't think about me and and I felt so fucking lonely. And it was the type of lonely that I'd felt so much. You know, I felt this type of lonely my whole life, to be honest. I've felt like I'm not lovable or I'm not worthy of love. I feel like, and, and I feel so much better now, but it's still something I grapple with of just like, yeah, you're going to end up alone. And so I used sex as a way to try to not feel lonely. And then I made myself more lonely. So I went a Googling. And I Googled sex addiction, which I had Googled in the past. I used to do these things. It's so similar to other types of addiction. Like I used to be like, okay, I'm not going to have sex for like three months. Three months was the longest I could ever go. Um, Or like I'm going to have sex with this person, but like limit the amount of time. I was going to quote unquote change my relationship with sex. Or I was going to be a good girl and date like good guys and all this stuff. But I could not control it. I would always try to put these bumpers on and I would never control it. And I didn't want to acknowledge that I was not in control of this compulsion. So I got to this desperate place and I started to Google characteristics of sex and love addiction. And there's a list. And this list blew my fucking mind. read this list. If you feel like you relate to any of these, maybe something worth checking out. One, having few healthy boundaries, we become sexually involved and or emotionally attached to people without knowing them. Dude, the amount that like fantasy that I laid onto strangers is crazy. Two, fearing abandonment and loneliness, we stay in and return to painful, destructive relationships concealing our dependency needs from ourselves and others, growing more isolated and alienated from friends and loved ones and ourselves. I want to stop and talk about this one because we all have this friend who is continuing to go back to this toxic person, continuing to be in these relationships that don't serve them and are actively hurting them. And eventually your friends do go away because they can't keep watching you do this. And I was this friend. I was I was dating these people, not even dating. I was sleeping with these people and asking for no humanity in return because I didn't feel that I deserved it. And I was hiding my need 
for dependency in any way. I think this is a huge part of it is that I never wanted to admit that I had had needs because I knew these people couldn't serve them and I didn't want to be vulnerable in any way. Actually, comedian Rosebud Baker, uh, so funny, very dark, super cool. She said something to me once. She said, you know, Andrea, if you keep seeking these people who are emotionally unavailable, you're emotionally unavailable. And I was like, bitch, what? I'm available. I just want someone to like, like me, you know, I want to like be the best partner for them. And then eventually they'll see that. And in retrospect, she was so fucking right. I was pursuing people that were telling me they weren't available, men who were just out of relationships, men who would ghost me for weeks, you know, men who were alcoholics, men who were other sex addicts, women who were cheating on their husbands with me. So these people are not available, but I'm deluding myself into believing that somehow it's going to work out. And I know deep down it's not. And that is safer to me than going for someone and putting my cards on the table and saying, hi, I want to date you. I want to sleep with you, whatever it may be. And opening up the possibility of them being like, no, thank you. Because putting myself out there was just not something. It was so painful to do. It's still really painful for me to do that. So that's a huge one. And I'd like to go more into that. But the third on the list is fearing emotional and or sexual deprivation. We compulsively pursue and involve ourselves in one relationship after another, sometimes having more than one sexual or emotional liaison at a time. Oh my God, liaison such a funny. Would you like to be my sexual liaison? I mean, I think it's normal to have more than one sexual partner. I don't want to take this list as like, you know, canon, but I will say you know when you're collecting people as a way to keep yourself sane. Like I've been in situations where I dated one person and I really liked them, but I was afraid that they wouldn't like me back and I didn't know where I stood. So I had to have other people and I'd be like, well, I I have this other person who I can have sex with whenever because they always answer me. So I'll keep them around. I want to keep a roster, but not a roster in terms of like, I want a great group of people that I have sexual relationships with, a roster like I want to have access to dopamine hits and um, ego boosts so that I don't crumble from the inside out. So using people as like uh, drugs. There are also periods where I go sexually anorexic and we'll go into that. Um, But there's periods when I'm sexually active where I don't have things going on in multitudes. I become very cagey and I become very like, what, you know, what is it? Why aren't they answering? What, you know, who am I going to fuck tonight? You know, I'll take an Uber to Queens at 2 a.m. so I can fuck this guy because I have to, because I can't, it's a compulsion. Um, So that one speaks to me a lot. This whole fucking list spoke to me so hard. Um, this one sucks and is really sad. And this one hurt when I read it. We confuse love with neediness, physical and sexual attraction, pity and or a need to rescue or to be rescued. Fuck. Let's go through this. We confuse love with neediness. Again, I hate the word neediness. It's a really loaded word. It's used on women a lot neediness, nagging, all these things. And I think it's shitty. Um, Because 
I thought I was needy because I had needs and everybody had has needs. And what was interesting is that I cared so deeply about my partner's needs. Again, like I'm buying fur butt plugs and running around like a fox for a guy who will barely acknowledge that we're together. I was so empathetic and I wanted to fulfill all of his desires because I wanted him to feel good, but I didn't care about my needs at all. I didn't want to express my needs. Expressing my needs meant vulnerability. It meant that I had to ask something of my partners and I did not want to do that. Confusing physical and sexual attraction, pity and or the need to be rescued or the need to rescue. I go into the need to rescue a lot and I think that's part of being like socialized as a woman is taking care of everyone. There's also a thing, and I talked about it with Lizzie quite a bit, um, going for someone that you need to rescue or you pity because you feel safe. Like, oh, I'm so much more attractive than them, so they're not going to leave me and I'll always have this person who like adores me. But it's not an equal relationship. That's not real intimacy to feel this like jilted connection. I used to swing from one side to the other. So I would date and sleep with someone who I felt like they were so much better than me and, you know, I, I was so lucky to be with them and I'll do anything to keep them. And then they would abandon me and I would feel devastated. And then I would swing to the other end of the pendulum and I would date someone who I barely even really liked, but I just felt safe. So I would swing from one side of the to the other feeling super unsafe, but insanely exhilarated and then super safe and bored and like disgusted with my partners or or with the situation. Like I just felt like, ugh, I'm just like settling for this guy, but I need to have sex and I need him to adore me so I feel secure. So I'll just do this for a while. Number seven, we use sex and emotional involvement to manipulate and control others. I mean, using sex to manipulate others was my fucking shit. I still do it sometimes and I don't even realize I'm doing it. I feel guilty for something and I'll like initiate sex as like a way to apologize. But using sex like, I mean, the thirst trap is a great example of this. Like I like someone, so I'm posting thirst traps on the internet to try to draw them in. I, you know, want a guy to stay with me. So I'll do more sexually fucked up things that I don't really want to do just to like keep them around. I think, I mean, I also think women are socialized to be like, sex is this thing that you use to get men to do what you want to do. So we're sort of taught innately to do this, but I was doing it to try to get people to stay. So it is being manipulative um, and controlling. Also like lack of sex to sort of draw people on, draw people in for long periods of time. That is a manipulative behavior. And honestly, if we're talking about the first relationship with the guy who I went all in on his fetish, I think I was trying to keep him there. I was manipulating him by being this quote unquote supportive person. Like I'm going to buy all these expensive sex toys and I'm going to get us a hotel room and I'm going to be this everything for you in the hopes that you love me. And that's manipulative, you know, but I didn't have healthy ways to ask for what I wanted. So I thought manipulating was the only way to do that. One way I was manipulative actually was I was deeply in love with this guy, Julian. Oh my God. This is one of the most painful sex addiction 
episodes I've ever had in my life. This guy broke my fucking heart in a way that I I don't even I've never felt that way. It was probably it was the one of the first people to break my heart. So I think that had a lot to do with it was that like I had never felt these types of feelings before, but he wouldn't be exclusive with me and we dated for like almost two years and he would like basically live in my apartment like he was like my live-in boyfriend but he wouldn't date me everyone knew that we were sleeping together all of our friends knew that we were together and everyone knew I was in love with him it was so obvious that I was in love with him and I'm sure it was obvious to him too but I was always like oh I'm cool I basically one day was like okay I want to find a way to ask him to be exclusive but I I don't want to actually do that so I'm gonna jingle raw dog in in front of him and I was like well I'll get on birth control if you don't sleep with other people and ultimately he never took that offer but that was me trying to manipulate him it's funny also like I don't think he was sleeping with other people during that time but he just didn't he wanted to have the option and I didn't have the fortitude to turn him away I pursued him so much and it felt magical it's one of the most powerful drugs I've ever felt in my life, like wanting him so badly. And then one day I had a party and I we were sitting in a room. He had this like beautiful condo on the on the river. His family was exorbitantly wealthy. He was a New York City trust fund kid. And he his band performed and he was this like gothy, fucking hot, you know, beautiful guy, like the cheekbones, the blue eyes, the black hair. He was into like alternative shit, nine inch nails. He was just so fucking intoxicating. I loved I was obsessed with him since the minute I saw him. I met him at a warehouse party and I was like, I want to drink that guy's fucking blood. And so we were at a party and we were sitting across from one another and I was just like, I want to fuck you, man. And he was like, really? I want to fuck you. And it was like, oh, fuck yes. And we went into the coat closet of this party where people were in the party hanging out and we just like fucked in that coat closet. And like that was the first time anyone had like put their hand on my neck and it was just like, it felt better than booze, better than better than anything. I I empathize so much with people who deal with sex addiction because the high from it is fucking amazing. So I chased that high and I felt like the sexual energy between us was love but it wasn't. Um, and it was so hard to parse that out. Okay, number eight, we become immobilized or seriously distracted by romantic and sexual obsessions or fantasies. Ugh. I'm going to talk about fantasy because when I am in an active period of sex addiction, when I am with a new person, the amount I will fantasize and sexed and just fucking get completely obsessed with the idea of fucking this person. I will think about fucking this person all day, every day. I will be checking my phone. I will be up all night having racing thoughts about fucking this person. It feels like a junkie that is looking for their next hit. And obsession is a huge word because it is an obsession. It's an obsession with fucking this person and and doing it again and 
wanting so you two wanting each other so badly and that's you know can be confused with new relationship energy like that's very normal but i think um being immobilized or seriously distracted is a big red flag of like i would be telling my friends stories and they would be like you can't like this is taking over your life man like it's all these dudes and and women and you know on one end, they're like, oh, cool, crazy stories. Like, I'm always the girl with like cool, crazy stories. But I'm also the girl where their friends are like, yeah, you're spending money taking cars. You're waiting up all night. You're getting hotel rooms to fuck these dudes. You're putting so much energy towards just getting that nut. And it's fucking up your life. I think you can have like a fun, adventurous sex life. And I think you can have multiple sexual partners and have it be fun and respectable and loving. You know when it's dysfunctional. It doesn't feel good. And I think that's a big part of it is that sex addiction does not you feel sad afterwards like the rush is incredible and then immediately you feel empty and you don't want to feel empty again so you keep trying to secure another sexual interaction to not feel empty some people blame the addict other people feel sorry for the addict. But I was an addict out of lust, not out of need. You would say that, wouldn't you? And lust that led to destruction around me, everywhere I went. Well, addiction sometimes leads to an absence of empathy. But what about yourself? How did you feel during all this? Did you feel good? Or did you feel bad? Mrs. H was right about the loneliness. I'd be lying if I said it hadn't been my constant companion. So you were with all these men and you still felt alone. We avoid responsibility for ourselves by attaching ourselves to people who are emotionally unavailable. Uh, yikes. Again, Rosebud Baker, right to my damn face, was like, what do you think you're doing just getting involved with these Goss, these vampires, these guys who live in storage units, these trust fund kids who will never date you, these every person that I became involved with, the alcoholic who broke up with you via text message and then you got back together with him and he broke up with you via text message again. Girl, what are you doing? The comedian who won't acknowledge you in public. But an interesting part about this statement is we're not taking responsibility for ourselves. I think a thing to know about dating unstable people is that we can always blame them for the relationship blowing up. You know, we can always go, yeah, well, that guy's a crazy performance artist who comes over and fucks me at 2 a.m. and then goes missing for weeks or that guy's an alcoholic who has seizures and he's barely functioning as a human being. So of course he can't be with me because he's dealing with his alcoholism or that guy's polyamorous, but he actually talks shit about his partner and he seems like he's just like collecting other human beings, just like I'm collecting other human beings. But let's not talk about how I'm collecting other human beings. Let's talk about how he is and that's why this isn't working out because he's an asshole. And let me be clear, a lot of these people also are assholes. Like I primarily date and sleep with men. And that's what's confusing about it is like, you can also meet a guy who seems great 
or person who seems great and then they're a monster. So that doesn't necessarily mean that you're a sex addict. But I think the repetitive pattern of being with people who are very obviously unwell is concerning. You know what's crazy? I didn't know these relationships were not going to work out. And that's nuts now in retrospect. But you can't see the forest from the trees. I'm just was following this hunger. It really felt like a hunger, like an something I could not satiate. And so every person who gave me that sort of dysfunctional hit was like, oh, I'm going to chase this down till it ruins my life. Okay, number 10. We stay enslaved to emotional dependency, romantic intrigue, or compulsive sexual activities. Romantic intrigue is a really good one. Like building up people as characters in your brain when you barely know them. That's something I would do all the time. I would scour their social media. I would cling to every word that they said. And then I would start to build them up as this like fascinating character. And then I would build our relationship up or, or I would deeply indulge in fantasy. Fantasy w- was a huge thing for me. And I would become completely enamored by the idea of a person. I would spend all night thinking about us together in and the way that how, how much we were these like fucking in love, addicted to fucking each other, just like these people who fiended for each other. And I, I lived off of that. And compulsive sexual activities. It's hard for me to separate this one out because I also have bipolar disorder. So like sexually risky behavior is one of the hallmarks of bipolar disorder. And so I love risk. My brain craves it. And I also am an addict. So that's the double whammy. That's both of them there. But there's something about having sex that's out of control that really gets me fucking going. Like we're fucking on a rooftop because we can't stop ourselves. The people who were married, I that I were involved I was involved with I sometimes didn't know they were married sometimes knew a lot of the times didn't know but like they would be married and but but not with their ex or or have something open but I kind of knew it wasn't so that's compulsive being like I'm involved in someone hurting another people but I can't stop fucking this person even though it's bad and it's going to end bad and there were days where I would I would have sex you know, the night before and then in the middle of the day with someone different, I had sex with someone who was subletting my room. This is, dude, this is so wild. This was really at the one of the harder times in my sex addiction. There was a guy who I was being kicked out of my apartment um, for being an alcoholic and a sex addict. At the time, I was like, they don't, they just like aren't fun. But what was really happening was I was coming home drunk all the time. I was losing my keys. I was breaking into my own apartment because I couldn't, you know, no one would let me in anymore because I was always getting all fucked up. You know, I was always losing my phone. I was a mess to live with. And then I was also just like bringing home random people all the time. And my roommates were like, I don't want to fucking live with this. And that's very fair. I was also sexually assaulted during this time period. So my sexual, my dysfunctional relationship with sex was just becoming worse and worse. But I got a subletter to take my room when I was moving out and he had to move in early last minute. So he was like, I know this is really weird, but can I move into your room? I'll sleep or I'll sleep on an air mattress or I'll sleep on the couch, whatever your roommates are comfortable with, but we'll share the room for like a week. And I was like, all right, whatever, sure. And so he was sleeping in the room. And the first night that he was there, 
I also wasn't even that. This guy was fine looking. He wasn't like so fucking hot, but I was just like, this guy's pretty attractive. And, you know, I even started to build a fantasy about him because he was like this coder guy and he was kind of smart. I wasn't that attracted to him, but I was like, I can like, I feel like I want to like fuck him. I went out to a bar and I also was like, I was at a bar and I was trying to fuck people and no one was interested to the point that I just like, let my friend feel me up at the bar because I was like, well, this guy will like at least feel me up and that's fun. Um, I also do think whipping your tits out of bars is fun, but this was like, I need male attention and I'm not getting it. So my friend who I knew was in love with me, by the way, and I just let him follow me around. I was like, well, he'll fucking feel me up. And then I completely blacked out and I got back to the apartment and the guy was sleeping there And I just looked at him. I woke him up and was like, do you want to fuck? And he was like, "Uh, yeah. I mean, what a way to fuck wake up. This just like goth fucking bitch, drunk as hell. Just like, I want to fuck. Dude, I'm getting horny while I tell this story. This is how much of a fucking junkie I am. I'm like, oh, that was fun. Even though it was so bad. I don't even remember fucking him. I can't even tell you if it was good or not because I don't remember it because I was so fucking drunk. So I I remember asking him to fuck and then I blacked out and then we fucked and then I woke up the next day and there was a used condom on the floor and I was like, oh my God, I fucked my subletter. Like this is what a fiend does. I can't control myself for one week. I have to live with this guy. But it was like, no, my need for sex is the most important thing and it doesn't matter. I even like, I never did this, but I had a hot male intern um, at my job and there was a work event and we were like, it was like open bar. And I, he was like, haha, let me like buy you a drink. And I for a minute was like, can I fuck my intern? And I was like, no, you can't. <laughs> and I didn't because I do feel like I have, despite this being an active addiction, I do have moral boundaries that I try to keep to. But I thought about it. And the fact that I was like even considering it for a split second, like in a serious way is crazy It's a crazy thing to do. I'm taking advantage of of our working relationship, of the power dynamic. It's creep shit, man. I didn't do it, but I wanted to. And that's fucking scary because that's not who I am. That's not. I mean, I think this is also a thing to say about understanding if your behavior is coming out of addiction is that if your behavior when you're actively pursuing this thing is different than who you feel you are as a person, that's scary. I would come out of sexual situations and be like, who are you? And like, I feel sad and shitty about who you are and I don't like you and this isn't who you are regularly. Why are you being so different? And I think that's a big, like that's how I used to feel about alcohol too, where it was like, I would just be a shitty friend or I'd get in a fight or I'd I'd fuck up everyone's night by being a mess. I'd fall asleep at a bar. I would, you know, make my friend pay for a, a car because I was so fucked up. Like I was just this person who was so stuck in my addiction that I was feeding it at all costs. And I was not who I am. It really robs you of like who you are and your dignity as a person. I felt moments where I had zero dignity and that's a bad feeling. Number 12, the final one. We assign magical qualities to others. We idealize and pursue them, then blame them for not fulfilling our fantasies and expectations. 
Tuffy, again, magical qualities. My first boyfriend, the one, the rock star, trust fund guy, nine inch nails. I thought he was the most brilliant, talented musician. I thought he was like a rock star and we were going to live this rock star life together. Um, I just thought he was amazing and I wanted to be with him more than anything. And it was similar to the furry guy. Um, He was also just like very attractive and sensitive and smart. And um, again, another musician. I used to just fucking like lose my mind for musicians and just put them on this crazy pedestal. And then I did this again. This relationship, I met a guy in LA when I was visiting and... um, I now know he has uh, schizotypal personality disorder without question. He also talked to me about it and, you know, that he had been diagnosed with it and he wasn't sure if that's what it was. And he was like a real oddball guy. I love an oddball in life. I don't think there's anything wrong with being involved with an oddball. But, you know, he sucked me in and uh, he was, you know, in streetwear and very... uh, But he was also a single dad and he was really damaged and you know, and he had long hair and he would dye it pink and uh, he wore cool, crazy outfits and he partied. But he was also this like, you know, again, the way I'm talking about this is like I would build these characters of these people in my head. We were long distance. I spent a weekend with him and then just got in a relationship with him. I just, you know, we would sext and it would just be this like, God, I'm fucking obsessed with you. I just want to fuck you and I want to be with you and you're this brilliant guy who, you know, is so smart, but like underappreciated. I would just build people up with qualities that weren't even there. And then when who they really were came to light, I I would blame them, but I would also get scared because I would be like, oh, you're scared. You're not well. And I'm scared because I built you as this person and you're not. And now I'm scared of my brain. And I'm also like, fuck, here I am again. I went to visit him in LA after we'd been together a long distance and like open for like, I don't know, six months. And he lived in the guest house in his friend's fucking home because he was a single dad and wasn't super financially successful. Again, I fixated on like the dad thing and how he made sacrifices. I wasn't like, oh, I should date someone who's financially stable. Nope. Nope, no need for that. No need to demand anything from a partner to have any standards. And also you can date someone who's not financially successful, but like he didn't have goals or aspirations really. And and I had goals and aspirations. So it wasn't a good match, but I was like, oh, he's a genius and he's just misunderstood, whatever. Also, like I used to date guys who are assholes and I'd be like, no, he's not an asshole. He's just like autistic or what like and my friends would be like this guy's a fucking asshole to me and I would be like I know he's just it's just how he like I would be actively creating personalities that weren't there and so I went to LA and he took you know some time off and the first night that I was there he went to a work party and he was like I'm just gonna go there for a short time and then I'll be home he wasn't home until like midnight And I just sat in his apartment like waiting for him and he got home and it was became obvious that he was on cocaine and I was sober at this point. So I was like, oh, you're a coke addict who lives in your friend's guest house, right? You're not this 
mystical wizard, long haired, single dad, entrepreneur, fucking whatever thing I warped my brain into believing you were, you're not. Like you're an addict and I'm an addict and I understand your journey, but I can't be with a person who's actively in addiction. But I was like, oh, it's he just he's in L.A. Like there's always some excuse about, you know, why they weren't the thing that they obviously were. Um, And so we were like fucking and he was doing coke and we were up all night like he was doing coke and fucking. And I just remember like not even like I feel like I was dissociating like I wasn't even sexually that interested because I was so scared and sad. And then his daughter's play table was next to the bed. There was this Dora the Explorer play table and he did a line off of his daughter's play table. And I was just like, yikes, this, you know, when you have a moment in your life and you're like looking at it as a third party, like you're dissociating and you're looking at it and you go, yeah, that's not great. Yeah, you doing a line of coke off your daughter's play table in the guest house in your friend's apartment. It's, ah, it's not great. It's not great. It's not great. And I was like, fuck. Oh my God. I did it. I did it again. I got I got involved with someone who's sick. I'm trying not to be sick and now I'm scared. And how did I make you someone different in my brain? And I did. And fuck. And then I went out for lunch the next day with my friend May Wilkerson, such a funny, cool comedian. And I was just telling her and she was like, oh, are you okay? She's like, she just sleep on my couch? And I was like, maybe, like, I don't know. Like, I think I'm okay, but I'm not sure. Like, it was a situation that was like scary. And then I was like, if you're not this magical person that I thought you were, are you scary? Are you violent? Now I'm staying at your house and I don't know you. You did what? I gave him a blowjob. Why? I took pity on him. I suppose I sucked him off as a kind of apology. That's unbelievable. But there was another reason for my sympathy, which you find so mysterious. I saw a man who was carrying the same cross as myself. Loneliness. You have to view sex addiction like an addiction to a substance, and you have to go, I'm not being of sober mind. If I was using if i was chasing drugs and going to la and staying in some weird place so i could get drugs or if i was you know meeting up with strangers to get drugs you'd be like you have a drug addiction but people but sex is different and we have to have sex and we don't have to but like we ideally have sex so people don't correlate that as addict behavior and it's absolutely addict behavior (laughs) 